This is the Bangada Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Bangra Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with the judges from NDC this past weekend about placings from their last competition. All the online IG comments from the Bangra gossip pages and straight up just ask them what was going on with them drinking during the judges' meetings. I know this is a long one, but I want to make sure that I got through all your questions that we got from y'all on Discord and our IG DMs and wherever else. Also, just a heads up about the upcoming schedule for the next month or so. So next Thursday, March 31st, we're going to have the judges from Nutch Nashville. April 7th, we're going to have the judges from Bangra de Alamo. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the blowout judges by April 14th, and then the down south Bangra judges for April 21st. So if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, wherever you're listening to this, do that so you can listen to those conversations as soon as we drop them. Anyways, let's get to it. All right, what's up, y'all? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Bunger Podcast. Today, I'm with Priyanka, Saab, Guntol, Sid, and Simran. They were all the judges of NDC this past weekend. I'm really excited to talk to y'all and address a lot of the things that are floating around, but then also just like the normal stuff that we we do pretty much every one of these conversations. How did the placing conversation go about? Um, go over any kind of big arguments that happened during deliberations and overall just what your thoughts were of, of the comp. Uh, but before we do that, I think NDC specifically um, has gotten a reputation among dancers who have gone to NDC as being a very risk-oriented and creative-based competition. So before we jump into placings and everything else, I'd really love to go over the rubric. So I think Priyanka Simran want to take it away. Um, so the biggest thing about this rubric is that it's split into two big chunks. The biggest chunk and is what is the defining quality for NDC as a competition is set creation. 60 of those 100 points go towards set creation and 40 of those go towards the actual dancing. Um, and then within those set creation points, 20 go towards risk and ideas, 15 for choreography and thought process, 10 for formations, and 15 for impact of design. Um, there's a variation in how teams brought their idea of risk and being refreshing and bringing something new to the table. Within the dancing aspect of the rubric, 10 points were for energy and form, 10 for confidence and presence, 10 for cleanliness and sync, and 10 for execution of formations. And then I think I misspoke. It's out of 110, I believe. So a final 10 go towards overall impression of the performance. Yeah. And I think it's important to outline the fact that in set creation, just the first 20 points are just if the team did risks. It's not about how well they hit. It's not about whether um, the impact was great, if they were memorable. It's just did the team present risks through choreo, formations, gimmicks, or stunts? Did they bring any new ideas, something that's never been done before? And if it was done in the past, was it done better than it was done in the past? Yeah, and I think a lot of people have questions about what does creativity mean to us as a panel, which we've had a huge conversation about leading up to the competition. And we wanted to leave that up to the teams, really, because some of them might be more of a gimmicky team. Some of them might focus more on their choreo. And so the rubric kind of lends to that um, and gives them the freedom to bring those risks and bring that creativity, whether it's their choreo, formations, gimmicks, or stunts. And that's explicitly stated in the rubric. Yeah, and I think Guntel's going to go a little bit more into this, or Sid is, but the risk portion of it is just actually doing the risks. What we had talked about teams, uh, talked to teams about it as well, was do the risk, take the risk, and then we'll determine whether it hits into impact. At least you'll get those 20 points just for trying. 
Right. So just one question from uh, the peeps on Discord slash Instagram slash wherever. Uh, so one person specifically asked, how creativity divide, how is creativity divided between gimmicks and creative choreo? What takes priority? I think if you read the rubric, you understand, but just so yeah. that we answered that question specifically. I think even what we had told teams was it really depends on what your team identity is. It doesn't matter if you're doing a gimmick or if you're doing crazy rotations, if you're throwing someone into the air or if you're just putting a spin on traditional moves. It's your team identity. You're going to get those risk moves regardless of where you put them and how you incorporate them. Um, creativity is different to everyone. It's different depending on what you can pull off. So we're not telling a folk team to come in and, you know, throw people into the air, but figure out how you're able to do that through your own way mm -hmm. and we told them during the pre-judges meeting like think within the box of your team but then also like go balls to the wall like think way outside of the box but still trade stay true to yourself um as a team mm -hmm. and that's where you'll end up getting the impact i think a lot of questions generally like whenever whenever these uh whenever there's a large outcry about placings or things like that i think one thing many many dancers may not understand is just how judging actually occurs and what the processes are like so um if any of if any of y'all want to take that question just kind of walk there, us through uh so the way ndc works and this is how it's been every year that i've judged it um before is that we will get together probably and when i mean we i mean the judges and the competition organizers will get together approximately three months before the comp so at this point it was like december for us where we all got together they have decided on their panel um, and we talked about what the vision of this competition is. Now, NDC is pretty set and, and has their vision pretty much locked down and what they want. We'll go and talk through that and we'll actually align with each other, going through each section of the rubric, going through each point allocation per section, how that aligns with the vision that they talked about and run that down as a judging group with the competition organizers to make sure that we're all aligned. So this is happening in, I would say around early December. Maybe even earlier than that, even sometimes even earlier than that, because uh, uh, for, for teams to get that rubric. Um, once we do that, we end up scheduling two judges calls uh, with the teams. This is just because some people can't make one, then they'll make the other one or uh, so on and so forth. So then we'll set up these calls where we give teams the opportunity to ask us any questions. So this can be ranging from the like really, the really simple questions like, do you like markers or not? The questions that we're like, whatever about to really pointed thoughtful questions about what does this language on the rubric mean um those are that's the opportunity they're about hour-long calls where there's an open platform for all the teams to go through that okay uh so that's that's the next step in judging process so once that's completed the teams have had the opportunity to ask the questions usually they're recorded in some format um and they're sent back out uh and then from there it's just judging the competition and us applying um our knowledge of Bhangra to this rubric scoring and then going through the deliberation process which we'll probably touch upon in a little bit once we do that deliberation process uh which was it was a fun one for ndc this year great interesting discussions <laughs> we then move into um judges meetings after where you know we were allotted uh five to seven minutes i think it was five minutes was like our our soft deadline or something like that and seven minutes was like our hard cutoff or eight minutes or something like that um where we then the teams come in and ask us and we'll usually ask them the first thing we'll ask them is like how do you want this judges meeting to run do you want us to just go around and tell us what you think? Do you have questions first to start it off? How do you want this to go? Um, so typically most teams are like go around, give summaries. I think every single team asked that. And uh, we did that um, and provided our feedback. Then they asked the questions and that's, we, we give them our thought process, giving, giving them our feedback on from the, based on the uh, rubric, um, both positive and negative. 
And uh, that's the judging process. I think there was, uh, I mean, we can probably address this. There was a team, there was a little bit of miscommunication, um, missed a judges meeting. But I'm going to be honest with you. I never see, I've never seen this before. And I've not judged too many competitions. There was a team that missed a judges meeting because it was simple miscommunication between a couple of parties, right? Not a, not in malignant in any form or fashion. Um, they missed a judges meeting. We're getting ready to go to the after party, uh, us judges, right? We have significant others in the room. Uh, we're all just getting ready to go. Uh, and the team came up to our door and we were like, as judges, and we all talked and we we're like, as judges, it is proper. We should be giving this team feedback even if there's miscommunication. It's our responsibility. It's our job to do that. So we went and we said, hey, everybody who's not a judge, get out right now. Get out of this room. We kicked them all out. We brought in that team, even though it was like 1230 at night. Okay. And if you do a fun of that competition, you know how late that is. That means you have about an hour at that, less than that. You got to Uber there and everything, right? You got to get in. No, those are going to be a lie. We kicked them out and said, come here. We're going to give you our feedback. Yeah, we have our laptops out, but we all pulled out our phones because luckily we used Google Drive. And a lot of us had our notes on our phone. And we sat there and gave that team feedback. And even as we were leaving the room, we said, walk with us. We're going to continue to give you feedback, um, which is, I thought was an amazing, um, uh, amazing point to make about this, uh, this panel, about how much we care about the, the, the progress of these teams and how much we care about making sure we get things right here. So that's the judging process. I want to make that call out because I think it's very important. Um, but that was the judging process. I would say, is there anything else I missed from anybody on the panel? Um, and you know, collectively, we have so much experience that we're bringing all these backgrounds and beliefs to the table and then are judging these teams through the lens of the rubric. So, you know, we come to the show and have that job to judge to the rubric, and that's that's sometimes often missed um, in, in these post-competition discussions. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of see it as if, you know, we, we have these backgrounds, but then we all sit down to judge, show starts, and we're putting on a pair of glasses that is our rubric. We have to watch these performances through the lens, through these glasses of what this rubric says, because that's what we've communicated to the teams from, you know, two months prior. They've been preparing to that rubric. We've communicated these things about the rubric. So we have the job, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of what we believe differently across the five of us, we're all still watching these performances through that lens of the rubric. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. And then. I, I think that's I think that's probably the most important thing that I think gets missed about the process itself during the show. So I'll let anyone else add to that. I think just from an audience standpoint as well, generally when you watch a competition, you have a favorite team. And that favorite team is also predisposed to your bias, what you like seeing in a team, what you like seeing on stage. Just because a team is my absolute favorite and that's my favorite performance of the night does not mean that they are going to win because they could have not catered to the rubric so it's important to keep that in mind we could have the same we could have the same likes we could have the same favorites but you know it's not always one that gets rewarded over the other if that's not what the comp is looking for yeah and then so one thing again let's just since we're talking about judges meetings and everything like that uh i did want to again a few questions that we got through various different forms of communication a few people were asking about why certain teams were getting like a short meeting, uh, about 11 minutes, and some teams were getting longer meetings. Yeah, I mean, like Kuntal said, we started every meeting off by saying, how do you want this to go? So it was really dictated by how the team wanted to carry the conversation. We gave our feedback to them, and then if they had questions, some teams, no questions at all. Some teams, they're going to competitions next week, in a couple of weeks, so they had a lot more to ask. And 
we don't want to be rude and kick them out, but we try to be as fair as possible with giving everyone um, enough time to get their questions asked. And at the end of every conversation, we told everyone, feel free to reach out to us. We'll get you our contact information. And we're more than happy to even now still answer any questions at all. Um, or even months from now, I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, and I think also just important to touch on the fact that each team was given a standard of five minutes. I don't think any team was dead after five. I think every team got 10 minutes. Maybe one team got 14. I think that was that might have been the longest one we did. Nobody went off to like half an hour. And kind of like what um, Priyanka said, we told every team, you know what, we're going to be at the after party in an hour. You can talk to us. You can Instagram message us. You're going to get our notes. Like there's, it doesn't end here. You can keep talking to us, keep reaching out anytime you want. Um, so the idea of some teams got shorter, some teams got longer. It's, it really wasn't the case. There was just one team that got a slightly longer time. And that was more so just because the team took control of that conversation. They came in, they were a little angrier than others. Um, and we're going to try to, you know, try to explain our side to them. We're not going to be like, you know what, your time's done, get out. Um, but yeah. yeah, let me just add to that. I, no, I think you what, it. you know, what that comes down to is how much we value giving a productive conversation to teams. Um, you know, it, it's one to give them feedback, but it, it's two for them. If they really got some questions and they need those answered in that moment, we want to do everything we can to give them that time. Um, you know, we, we asked every team, I think every team had questions that they asked us, but you know, sometimes at a competition, there's going to be a team that isn't as happy and they have further questions that they, you know, are wanting answers to. And, and in, in the moment as a judge, it feels like a responsibility to, to stop and let's just give them a chance to get that off their chest and also for us to just respond once to them so that it's a more productive conversation than kicking them out at 10 minutes and them just not being happy with that experience. So I think it's it's not that we're treating a team with more time. It's just we're ensuring that every conversation is truly productive. So essentially, like, if you ask questions, your your meeting was longer. If you didn't, it's like, I, if you don't have anything else, we're going to the next team, essentially. And, in, and on top of that, at every single, at the end of every meeting of those, you know, every single meeting yeah. we said, reach out to us further with anything you ever want. And we're always here. And I'll add, CMU reached out to me and I spent 40 minutes on Zoom with them last night. Reach out. Just, just, just reach out. No, yeah. That 40 minutes is going to be better than, yeah, those, than those rushed eight minutes that the cop gives you with five different judges. Yeah. Yeah, and I insane. think the biggest thing is like the intention behind why we're coming to this competition. We have the team's best interests at heart and we want to see them put on the best performance possible and then be able to take that performance to other competitions and do well too. Um, I know we were talking to a couple teams about upcoming competitions that they had and we gave them straight up advice of what they can do better, what they can fix within the next week or two. So, I mean, in my eyes, we're kind of looking out for them and that's our responsibility. And I think that's why we all enjoy it so much because we actually get to help them um, change for the better. And praise them for the great work. That. That's something uh, that I was going to say, that, uh, was gonna say something funny about that. One of those teams, you know, we're talking about judging process. Um, I know it's tuning our horn about how much we care. But one of those teams said they're competing in two weeks at a comp, and they don't even have a rubric yet. Yeah. Yo, I just got my phone. I want to say, I want to show <laughs> you. I want to show Who's you that's like, not my phone? We're, how, much, how much we care, how much the standard, how much the standard is. This is what the standard should yeah. be. 
and then it's not being followed. It should. Agreed. And I, it, I, that, that kind of goes back to a conversation that I've had a lot with Sid and Saab is all five of us here and many other judges on the circuit, you know, treat this not as a, an achievement, but treat this like a responsibility to give back to the circuit and to continue to try and give actionable feedback that helps teams actually grow to their potential and surpass their potential. You know, we, we want greatness from everyone. Yeah. And we, you know, we do these things. We judge so that we can help teams achieve that. And I kind of want to play into what Gunto's saying yeah, because me. you get a panel of five judges from different backgrounds that genuinely cares. Like a lot, I think everyone here has been to, you know, super bad judges meetings. And we've had judges that have told us really dumb reasons as to why you don't place. And then they say, that's it. Like they don't let, they don't give you the opportunity to reach out. Like, they tell you things like, oh, you're good. They weren't iron. That's why you came third place. It's happened to us before. And that's that. So, you know, take a panel. I'm not saying just us, but even other judges and listen to the feedback they're really giving you. Listen to how much they genuinely care. They're giving you an opportunity to question, to hear their summaries, to read their judges' notes. Even doing this podcast, this was never a thing back then, but we're being open and honest. We're talking about what happened. And that's the best that we can do as judges. Cool. Um, I also want to at least give y'all, like, I know a lot of people were asking about the, the drinks in hand during judges meetings and want y'all to get, take a second to tech. I want y'all to have an opportunity to address that. Uh, you know, it had been a really long day. We hadn't eaten since one o'clock. Uh, we had no food, no beverages and, you know, picky was stuck in an elevator right before the show. We had a rough deliberation. We had a rough, we had a hot meeting with one of the teams, you know, I was just like, you know, I want, you know, having not eaten, if you intermittent fast, you know, it's not comfortable. That's why it would be comfortable. <laughs> Hang up pizza. And the only beverages we had was, you know, shivas. So I poured one drink. And, Man, so people know. don't want me to eat. I'm type one diabetic. They don't care about my blood sugar. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I don't get into my like, I think, I think talking about judges drinking and judges meetings as well. Um, People do it at, we've talked about it amongst ourselves. People do it at client meetings. People do it at business meetings. Teams come drunk to judges meetings. We go to after parties where competition's over. You know, it's the end of the night. We get maybe half an hour, sometimes an hour. And teams are drunk and they're coming up to us and we're still talking to them. So to pinpoint one drink in, you know, in a six hour day where you're judging for four hours, you're doing two hours of judges meetings. It's kind of absurd and it's a little bit hypocritical because we know teams do it all the time as well. Um, I don't think it's disrespectful because you're still getting that yeah. genuine feedback. We're still giving you absolutely everything that we have. Um, you're still getting to ask your questions. So it's not like we're like, hold up, let me have my drink. Right. And if that's... Right. It's it's not like... We, <laughs> I said this before, but it's not like uh, we were sitting there ripping shots. Like, you know, it's a very different situation than what it sounds like, I think. You know, to have a beverage in your hand and to sip on it and have a proactive conversation and just be talking to teams is very much to me like a, a, a client meeting or just sitting and talking with friends. You know, it, it should not feel like something more than that. And if someone has a problem with that, that's fine. I, I don't mm -hmm. mind stopping to do that. Uh, but it's it's not like, uh, it just was not that scene or vibe that I, I feel like is assumed of that. It's really just sitting there sipping on that, having a slice of pizza because we were yeah. really hungry. And, and I, I, I don't want to... Sorry, Sarah, yeah, no, I'm going to cut you off. 
there's yeah. also a difference and and I know some people on the circuit myself included have been have been judged by judges that came to the show drunk and mm -hmm. or the judges being drunk I get that and I've been there and I would never want because it's happened to me I would never want that for anybody else so you know to Kunto's point like it's just to relax the atmosphere a little bit breathe you know and have a have productive conversations I don't think any of the conversations we had were not productive you know for any reason yeah so Good, sorry. Right, and it's 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 not about us pre gaming, and you know, like it's not that. It's very much just. I'm an adult. Yeah. I can sit and have a beverage with someone and have a and conversation. Like, I don't want to go too into it, but just to quote an Instagram post, which said, "It's sad that judges care more about after parties than giving teams feedback." We would not be sitting there until twelve thirty. Our Ubers probably came at twelve forty-five if we cared about the after party more than these judges' meetings. We would not have spoken to a team after everyone's significant others were in the room and the team was an hour late. Um, we, I think all of us here can say we could probably care less about the after party. We go there and we stand and talk to teams anyways. That's why we go. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. No one here cares more about after parties than giving honest feedback. We've all wanted it and we're all trying to get there. All right, so let's get into the meat of this conversation. So line up for... NDC was Maryland, CMU, DDR, Cornell, BDS, Shikari, Fredishte, and Gator. And final placings after deliberations were DDR, Fredishte, and Shikari. And if you don't mind, I think for everybody who's listening to this podcast, um, if you go on our website or and like click on this episode, or if you go on our Instagram, I will most likely be posting uh, like some kind of Instagram carousel of like scores and stuff. But um, just for everybody who's just listening, I'm going to read off the point totals for overall placings. So Fridishte, out of 100, so these are all out of 110. Fridishte got 84.8, I'm sorry, 84.80. Um, DDR, 83.0. Shikari, 71.70. CMU, 68.70. Cornell, 65.80. Gator, 62.3. BDS 60.8 and Maryland 48.1. And cool. So then that is the average score between all five judges. So between first and second, there's 1.5 different, 1.5 point difference. And then there's a 10 point drop, like a 12 point drop off to Shikari. All right. So keeping that in mind, and then I'm just going to read top three for everybody who, everybody here. So Sid had DDR, Fridishte, Cornell, CMU, Shikari. Saab had Fridishte, DDR, Shikari, CMU, Cornell. Simran had DDR, Fridishte, Shikari, BDS, CMU. Priyanka had Fridishte, DDR, Shikari, CMU, Gator. And Kuntal had Fridishte, DDR, Cornell, Shikari, CMU. And Honestly, like th these point totals are extremely tight across the board. Again, for anybody who's listening and wants to see like the full thing, I'll probably posting either posting score sheet or Discord or something like that. So that's that. And now, would love to know generally what were the, I, I can like, kind of assume first in DVR is like the huge discussion of the night. So, and from what you guys told me before, y'all were like deliberating for straight up half an hour. So obviously, there's a lot to talk about. And I'll just like let y'all start taking it from here about how that conversation went, why each, why all y'all had different placings for for each day versus 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can start off. I want to kind of actually work backwards on how we got there um, because the point totals tell a different story. Cool. So uh, the backward, actually the backwards way, if you go back, we ended up going 4-1. So um, it was 4-1 uh, in terms of deliberation. So at the end of the day, it's five judges. You pick, you kind of have to make a decision and that's how you, we went. Um, one judge, that was me, had Frisch there first, right? So to get to that point, Moving backwards, what we ended up doing was we first discussed, we actually went around and table discussing from the rubric perspective, you know, we talked through Frisch there, why we placed him a certain way we placed him, and each judge went around and did that. Um, and it really culminated into a, a vote at the end of the day, where I believe that, I think Conto Branco, you guys flipped, right? From, mm -hmm. or... Not Conto, right? just me. Okay, so, sorry, it was three, uh, three, two then? Three two, my bad. Um, it was three two. So then, uh, Priyanka flipped uh to Shigari, right? So then, um, that was to DDR decision. To DDR, my bad, not Shigari, DDR. Um, so I don't think mixing <laughs> all my teams up. So then, they, they uh, um, it's been a long couple of days, right? So uh, yeah, they uh, Priyanka ended up switching to DDR. We reached that decision based pretty much on discussions. Okay, I was gonna say I can start since I was the one that flipped. So I had first day overall i had a first day over ddr by four points and those four points were mainly coming from the bottom half of the rubric where it was dancing um i think we all agreed that first day was the best um from the dancing perspective of the night but then we all also most of us agreed that creativity risk wise you know bringing that impact ddr really hit it on the nail um after discussing that and talking about ndc's vision with this competition it was very clear for me that creativity-wise, that DDR really um, took it all. Um, so that's why I decided to flip. Um, anyone else want to hit this? I think um, when you're comparing first and DDR, kind of like what Brianka said, first it was the better team in terms of dancing. Their execution was on point. Their formations were great. They came with a 16-man set, which worked out in their favor. But they did have a few gimmicks that didn't quite hit for myself. They did a double gimmick, started off with that double gimmick. It was great. But then it kept going throughout the set, and there was little, little parts that I wasn't really picking up on. I think some of the other judges can agree. You didn't really know where to look. Are you looking at the screen? Are you looking at the dancers? You can't really read the font from up in the balcony. Um, DDR had something in every... Yeah? Can you... Can, sorry, before, before you continue, before you continue, can you just explain double, double, a double um, gimmick. what a double so gimmick is? They had a double gimmick. A double was double popping gimmick. in. Angels and yeah. devils. A, a double was going on the screen and they were telling them what mm -hmm. to do. So, you know, your old Vardia are out. You need new Vardia. They had new Vardia. Get off stage. So they had dancers that walked off stage, came back in, do standing jaw. They did. So the devil was telling them what to do. Um, as opposed to DDR where they had little, little gimmicks in every single segment. And whether those hit or not, they tried to take that risk. Um, again, going back into pre-judges meeting, what we had outlined was, if you take that risk, you're going to get the points. If they don't hit, that's an impact. That's determined on us. But that is 60 points per set creation versus 15 for impact. Um, so for myself, I just thought DDR took more risks. They had, they tried to bring in new things. They put twists on different moves. They tried new formations and they tried you know, a few gimmicks. And their set was difficult. Um, like, I'm not saying that it was hard. I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that they did on stage that day. <laughs> and, like, that's not to say that first this set was easy. It definitely wasn't. But in terms of risk factor, first they did play it safe just a little bit. 
their main gimmick was that devil gimmick, which did not hit for me. I don't think it was risky enough to put all of your trust and, you know, all of your work into a projector, which is going to determine your success. Just to clarify for people who are listening, and I'm looking at the overall scores average between by all the judges. So in the risk category, risk and ideas is out of 20 points. Uh, DDR averaged out between all the judges had 17.2, um, while first they had 14.9. And like, if if you're big, if you are beating every team by more than three points in the heaviest section of the rubric, it does it does make a difference. And I think, and based off of what I'm talk, what I've seen, what I've talked to you guys about, it seems like just having a riskier set overall, which is what this rubric values, that's what really like helped them. And, and if this was a that's different exactly rubric, what it is. Like if you're coming to a comp that wants to, you know, they want to cater to creativity as opposed to how well you're doing fungered out this is the comp for you if you want to go to a comp where you want to get all those points for doing a sick folk but creative set there's tons of comps out there like that so i i was actually had a pretty large point gap between first day and ddr so uh franco was mentioning four I actually had a seven point gap between first day and ddr um first day over ddr um so i think Simmer even touched upon it was like uh at where they got me so i pretty much agreed with all the whole entire panel on the risk portion I didn't agree on some of the difficulty stuff. And that was one point where I um, had a difference. So a great example is what uh, DDR was doing with their Quindit in the middle of the stage. I think every judge on this panel was like, that was so impactful. So I'm little jumping to the impact section of the rubric and also difficult. And I sat there my, when I was judging it, I was like, number one, coming from an impactful part, I was like, I had zero impact from that. I wrote in my notes, I was like, what? okay why like that was literally my reaction so it's a different perspective it hit me differently than it hit the other four judges which translated directly to the rubric and i didn't actually think it was that difficult to do uh so when i watched him do it when i was watching while i was watching them do it um and so that those were those are points where like i had i think first a, like a point over ddr in the set creation i had them neck and neck essentially but then the overall impression I had first day over, I felt it was more exciting, more refreshing, and more memorable, right? In that overall impression. It ended up becoming a seven-point gap. A lot of those points came from the dancing. Like a major, a lot of those points came from the dancing. So it kind of makes sense when you go to deliberation. You know, it's if I have a one point or neck and neck, me being a four and one, it wasn't really that big of a gap, truly, even though it looks like it, right? Um, but that's an example of like, it impacted me differently what they were doing impacted me differently i another great example is all that devil stuff everything clicked in my head i didn't have like the same i didn't have the same feedback that they had i was like oh you did a jadere gimmick the god i was like that you're dancing to or the bullion that you're dancing to it says jadere in it and then you mess up your jadere it's a common mistake and i was like boom that's as a dancer in the circuit that was kind of funny to me and i was like it hit and it, it was impactful to me um but it didn't hit, resonate for everybody and a good flip side, and I think Sid really hit this, and I, I love the way he put it, like, when we were in the meeting with DDR, was that you hit the points on the rubric, but it's kind of important, that's it, don't butcher, if I'm butchering this, you know, just jump in. Um, but you're, you know, it can potentially alienate people, right, the, the way, sometimes what you're doing, and you have to start realizing that, like, you're pushing the boundaries, for sure, you're hitting this rubric. I'm not saying they didn't hit the rubric, but it is starting, um, it started starting, I felt like there were some points in their set were starting to alienate. Um, 
from or, or alienate for me personally from what I was interpreting or how I was applying the scores to the rubric. Um, and it really hit them in that set creation impactfulness and overall impression points on the rubric. Um, yeah, that was a direct feedback I gave to them. Uh, but again, I had them neck and neck on the set creation side. Um, so even there was a seven point gap. Yeah, that's how it went down for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think my biggest feedback for uh, DDR um, was that one, they checked every box on the rubric and they were smart about their construction to the rubric for sure. Um, but my main qualm with them was that they overused some effects. They have a lot of slide based choreography and kind of weird motions that you don't see a lot of, I don't see really any team doing, uh, but that effect was a little bit repetitive. Um, same thing formationally, there was a lot of, um, wraparound motion where they would follow each other in a wrapping motion on stage and that same thing was used a couple times in their set as well. So I told them that they're, you know, I have no problem with them taking these risks that they took in, um, at this competition, but they shouldn't be reusing the same flavor of effects, uh, throughout the set. They should try and mix it up a little bit more. Um, the Kunda pass off thing that Saab was talking about, just to give, uh, for whoever hasn't seen it, basically it's, they spent the entire segment with. Mm-hmm. There's four dancers without a kunda, right? Yeah. Um, and they move their formation throughout while continuing choreography that keeps changing, but they're passing off the kunda the entire time. So it was just really interesting to watch that transform throughout the segment, but it was also done in such a way that the viewer on the first watch could follow what they were doing the whole time. Like it was super intricate, yet understandable on the first watch. So um, most of us liked it. Not all of us did, but most of us liked it. Um, and then uh, for first day, I told them that they they danced their asses off, uh, and they they really had put together a squad that can, you know, take over. But they fell short in some of their construction ideas. Um, I'm all for a projector gimmick. I'm all for a theme. You guys know my background. I've done shit like this plenty. Um, but their their fatal flaw to me was that they didn't design. There's two things. One, they didn't design um, the projectors have to interact with the stage in a way that it attracted the eye to the right spot at the right time. So that no matter what, anyone that's watching it would catch exactly what's going on. The other thing is what, I don't remember who said it, but they put all their eggs in one basket as their representation of the set. And it was, you know, if you do that, that's, that's, that's a risk in itself, but it's not a risk that's going to pay off at all when only the first two times it, it happened was um, impressive to all the judges. So uh, I talked to them a lot, actually, at the after party about how to enhance that, uh, how to make sure that it's set up in a way that everyone gets it on the first watch and it blows people out of the water. Um, there was one specific one that we all called them out on. That the, So this gimmick is basically a play on devils and angels. Um, and the devil is on the projector telling them what to do. And then they're, you know, it's a contrast between the two is what they're doing. Um, there's one time in the set where they, the devil tells them to get off stage and it happens and they get off stage and then the four girls on stage, like pull them back or something. And it's, we were like, why, what was the point of that? Like, what, what were you trying to get out of that moment? Because it, it didn't really do anything for you in terms of showcasing your dancers. It didn't do anything for you in terms of risk. It, you just literally left stage and came back because the projector said to do it. And it's not really doing anything for you. Um, so, you know, there was just some minor set construction things that 
made a really cool idea not hit at 100%. And I think if they get those things figured out, it's going to be really exciting to see what they do next. Um, and then on top of that, you know, if, if this rubric didn't have 20 points of risk, I think they would have won no matter what. But I think that's where they, they gave up too much to DDR uh, and those points that DDR captured with taking as many risks as they, as they did, even if they didn't get every moment to hit, was enough for them to, you know, have a 30-minute discussion and have three or five of us pick to go with DDR. So I'll jump in next. Um, the uh, the thing for me with first day uh, is, as Quimple said, they put all of their eggs in one basket. And with that whole theme, they, for me, like the theme hit with what they were doing with the projector with the devil and with what they were doing, it hit twice. One was in subs towards the end of their uh, sub segment. And then at the end uh, with when they actually brought the angel wings out. And when it comes to, uh, you know, when we talk about risk and we're comparing two teams, uh, these two teams being DDR and First Day. First Day's ideas, for example, one of the examples that Quinto brought up was the going off of stage. There's not a lot that can go wrong with that. There really isn't. There's a lot that can go wrong in the, if your entire segment has eight people not having Kunde and you're using your choreography to pass it off to people, right? There's a lot that can go wrong in that. And that is, to me, riskier, right? Uh, the whole idea of the Jadere gimmick, it's not that hard to pull off. Is it cute? Is it funny? Yes, right? Um, but the Mela scene, in the way that the Mela scene came together for DDR, there was a ton that could go wrong with that. Right. So one is, you know, one idea, if we put them both in vacuums, one is more risky than the next. Right. And that kept happening for me when I was watching first day, it's like, I see what you're trying to do and all of it could be better. And we gave them ideas in the judges meetings of how to make every single one of those better. Right. If you like, there's, there's, there's probably a lot of things you can do with, you know, the devil saying, go off stage. Right. There's things that you could counter that with the whole angel devil theme. Instead of doing, uh, you know, you're standing Charles second, maybe you, the double says stand first, and then you're like, nah, F you, and then you drop into a low one, right? Like, they could have played on it and it made it hit harder, right? And that, for me, took away from the choreography and thought process in comparison to DDR, and also took, it also brought them down in terms of impact of design in comparison to DDR. So those are the big points to me when, when we're talking about those two teams. Um, I think that if... If Farish, they did a bit, a little, honestly, just a little bit more in terms of their uh, risk in the risk factor, and the, it, with that, with the the choreography thought process, the impact would have been more for me. And I could have seen myself flipping uh, because the dancing was out of this world. Uh, I, I would, I would not, I would be afraid to dance against them. Like that's a stacked sixteen, and you know, uh, if I if I was taking a team to go against them, you know, <laughs> everybody better be ready to dance, right? And, uh, you know, it's just, when it came to that set creation side of things, like in, in all, in all four categories for me, they just fell behind DDR, uh, just enough for me to have them a point and a half behind. But I think that the in between, and another thing is like, for me personally, the, 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 the two times it hit in the, in the beginning of the whole routine during subs, then you get me for like five minutes where I'm not really getting anything outside the Doomer segment, which was amazing. And then you had me at the end. So it was just three times, right? Versus DDR had me every segment, every segment, right? So that's that's what it came down to for me and why I had DDR over first day. Real quick, as we're talking about this, I'd like to bring it back just to the numbers a little bit. So we, as a, I think Bianca was talking about the breakdown of the rubric. 
60 points are in that set construction of this category we're talking about, 40 points for the dancing, 10 points for overall impression. In the dancing category, like we said, first they won. They beat DDR by four points. That was number one and number two. In uh, set creation, DDR won by three points over Frishte. So, you know, that's very neck and neck right there. And then if you look at overall impression, I think it's like pretty much the same score. Yeah, like a 0 0.3 difference. So we're splitting hairs here with, you know, even the total, uh, as Omar said, like even the total average across all five judges was a point, like 1.8 or something like that between these two teams out of 110. It was that tight. And that's what caused a 30-minute discussion about these two teams. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers right away, I think Omar, you said at the beginning, right? Like there's two teams and then there's a 12-point drop to the next team. And, and I think that's very much how we felt at the show. It very much felt like two top teams and then a solid drop off to the next three teams. Those next three teams, I think for all of us were Shikari, CMU and Cornell. And there was some discussion there. And, and if you look through all, all of our um, ranked scores, we're a little bit flipped throughout the five of us, but there is, you know, scoring average alone. Like there's a three point gap from Shikari to, to CMU. So that, that was a lot to overcome, even if we discussed it for a while, which we did, but I, I will just put that out there that, you know, there, there's a drop 12 points at third place. And then those next three teams have a, like a five point spread within them that I don't think, you know, the next two teams were able to overcome in discussion. Oh, Cornell. I had Cornell as my third place team, again, going based off of the, the top 60 points. Um, they, to me, hit, hit those top 60 best out of the, those three teams that we're talking about. Uh, the the hang-up, obviously, was just the dancing level out of the top three teams. Uh, sorry, out of those three teams was the lowest, uh, and, it, and I don't think it was even close. Um, so uh, with that, you know, I did think that Cornell, in terms of the in terms of their presence and their joy for being on stage, their joy for Bhangra, uh, the Jordi interaction, stuff like that, they actually were the best uh, out of those three teams that, that brought brought their uh, to me their entertainment value up a little bit, uh, but you know, it was it was it was one of those situations where it wasn't there wasn't enough that they did uh, right even even with the separation side of things there wasn't enough that they that they did right for me to truly like have a, a more of a conversation than we did about it uh, after you know when we when we started talking it through is what they did still better than what Shigar did the answer was no right so. Um, that's where that conversation ended, uh, and I'm fine with it. You know, I, I, I'm going to have a different opinion than, than, uh, than other people. That's cool. That's judging. Cool, yeah. Um, any other things you just wanted to call out? Like anything, any teams do something super interesting? Any, I don't know, anything at all? I'll, uh, I'll give a shout out just because it was hilarious that, uh, Shikari had the segment where they had all five of our faces as masks on their faces. So they had uh, basically the five of us dancing on stage with them and, it was really goofy and it didn't make any sense, but something about the song and Netflix and coffee and it was just like so much, so much, so much shit happening at the same time. I was fucking song. There was so much shit going on that it was, yeah, it was hilarious, yeah. but it was just like our, it's like giant faces on the fucking stage. But, uh, it, it, it was funny. Uh, I will also say that they also had another funny thing with, uh, they did a just rain gimmick, but, uh, it lasted like for a minute <laughs> or what it felt like a minute at least it was literally like non-stop just right on the screen like every 10 counts it would he would show up there um but i will say the last part of that what they did was well done so 
I'm going to show you listening. Keep that part because I've never been on the edge of my seat watching a Jummer like I have for first. And I, and it's not just because Sag in the front ripped it, <laughs> right? It's not just because that it was consistent across their dancers. Like I no one was like, I can't hit this in the corner. And I think Sid or Kunto was talking about that. Like I have never been on the edge of my seat watching a Jummer like that and being like, so I had a lot of fun watching it. And that, like, when you're a judge and you, and you can do that, that's that's awesome. And I'm not even the biggest fan of, like, Swaggy Pungerda, as many people may not realize, even though, you know, even though the team that I dance for, right, and the co the academy that I coach has been known for that. I it's was going to say. Thing. It, really, it really isn't. Like, it's not. And to actually take that and make it refreshing and exciting for someone who's, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, So I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, all right. So last bit. Just gonna answer some Instagram Discord questions. Um, and I think you guys mostly address this want this question, but I just again very specifically want to address it. So one person asked, how much better than the next set, best set does a set have to be in your opinion for it to yeah. win? Please. You say that again. And I can read that again. How much how much how much better than the next best set? Does a set have to be, in your opinion, for it to win regardless of... That's all dependent on the value and the weights on the rubric, right? So it, it, it's not our opinion. It comes back to the values that are listed in this rubric. And we have to follow that. So I, I don't want people to think we just... You know, like there's just like a decision that we make that, oh, they, they just weren't clean, but it's okay. Their set was great. That's not the decision we're making. It's these are the rubric numbers and we're filling those out. And let's see what happens after that. Um, in terms of, you know, this comp, you know, if you're comparing the top two teams, it's a big deal, but at the same time, you have to look at it on the flip side. So just like I said, like first they're four pointed DDR in dancing, DDR three pointed first day and set creation. So it's not a conversation of just weighing one over the other. It's, it's that it was neck and neck based on the values of the rubric. I can add, I can add something else too, is I, the, if you have a routine that you, you, you and your team have not practiced at all, and it's super risky, there's a ton going on. There's like some threshold that you can cross where you are making so many mistakes that now we cannot even see what's going on because we can't figure it out because there's too many people making mistakes and our eyes are going everywhere, seeing all this, what's happening. Uh, for example, like CMU. Uh, did this thing with their kunde where they were twirling their kunde uh, like half stage was and half stage was doing something else i have no idea what was happening on the other side of stage because there were so many mistakes on the twirling side if that makes any sense i just didn't know what what that was uh so it, so think about that too if you're taking a risk so much that your team is going to make so many mistakes that we can't even figure out what you created because our eyes are being drawn to all the mistakes you know th then it's definitely not going to pay off you know how how risky your set might be uh um you can take all the risk, all the risk, but if not, and even if we pick up on all the risk, but none of it is impactful, you know, like you can have the craziest choreography ideas in the world. Sure. We'll give you a set creation or the risk uh, points, but if it's just, if it does that, if it has no impact, if it's not well-designed, if it's not thought through, like you're going to miss the next three sections, if that makes sense. Cause uh, fine, it's risky to do all the crazy choreo you just did, but there's no impact to it. There's no thought process to it. You didn't think how the audience was going to receive it. It didn't go with the mix to, to again, add some impact to it. 
So there's a lot to think about, and 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 uh, that's why the question I, I kind of want more clarity to it to truly answer it. But those are the two big things that I would say is you know are there too many mistakes happening because you couldn't practice it enough that we can, we missed all of your site creation, and um, the other one would be is your site creation actually impactful? Because if it's not, then the next three sections uh, of that of that uh, of those sixty points are just you're not going to get any points there. Um, this is something that. Um, I feel like has been a trend recently with judges meetings. And I feel like I ask this question to teams a lot is uh, what Simon just said made me think of it is there's moments that we're not, we're not able to follow on the first read what the purpose of that segment was or what you were trying to convey or what the moment that you were trying to get us to is. And a lot of times when I write that note, as I'm watching these performances and I write purpose question mark, I asked the team that in, in the meetings and many times, unfortunately, they're not able to give an answer to it. And so I, this is me trying to tell all the teams out there, like when you're creating these sets and you're creating your segments, make sure you truly have a purpose and you make sure you truly have a moment that you're trying to build us build towards that. We're you know, we're able to read on the first watch and what we're able to enjoy and give you credit for that crazy idea that you had. If you do, and if you're not able to answer what those peaks in your performance are, when I ask that point blank, then there's a problem. By placing the teams the way you did, what, what message are you sending forward promote? and what type of formula do you personally promote? Extra points on the rubric <laughs> and we're promoting what the competition's vision is. We're not promoting our own personal agenda for what type of formula there is. I got an academy to do that. Okay, I don't need to come here to a competition. So does Kunto. I don't need to come to a competition to promote myself formula. What the beauty of this competition is, is it brings back something about risk that is what NDC is envisioning. So when you're trying to go and say, send a message of we're trying to promote this style of Bhangra or personal agendas or whatever this question is, that's not what we're here to do. That's why I, I'll tell you something. I mean, your favorite, your favorite performance, and I think Simran mentioned this at the beginning of his podcast, doesn't always win the competition. Your favorite performance yeah. doesn't always win the competition. That's, that's not, if we did that, if our favorite performances won the competition, that would then I would say, yeah, you got some. You can say what type of message are we trying to, to send over, but that that question doesn't really make sense because, as you could hear from all the answers throughout this podcast, that we have no personal agenda of what we are trying to promote or or what trying message we're trying to send. We're trying to send the message as be your be your identity and bring that to this competition and win. Sid, I want you, I think, I think one thing that'd be really important is that you talk about, and I, I, this is a little bit separate. I think you mentioned this to us is that this is not the only, what first and DDR do is not the only way to win this competition. It's not. It's not. It's really and not. I can point towards performances, uh, in teams that I have watched and judged in the past that could come in and won this, that could have won this competition. You could pick whatever style you want. Uh, NJ, NJ Waters at at uh, Bunger on the 6th, 2018. That's a risky set. And those dudes pulled it off. Like, that was some impressive stuff. The stuff that Van City puts out. Uh, AG, you know, the Fodge. There's all sorts of teams that can come with... And those are all... All, all those teams I just mentioned have different styles of Bunger. They all could come and win. It, like, I, this idea that you have to be a certain way or follow a certain team's identity or style, we're not promoting anything, Right. You can be super risky within the realm of folk bangra. You can be super risky in the realm, or sorry, super impactful. You can also be super not risky in the realm of modern bangra. And to me, that has been the downfall of bangra empire because their sets, through as they progress through the years, have become less and less risky, less, I don't know, impactful. Everything, 
Um, we, we've seen teams uh, all the time. Like, you don't hear about them because the performances aren't good, but teams that take a, a certain style of more modern Bungarda and they aren't very good at it. They don't, they're, they're not very good at creating. And then you take a team like NJ Folk Lovers and they go over to LOB, that sub-segment had, had me on the edge of my seat. Like, there's no, there's no specific style that forces you to, like, you know, do something and not be entertaining and not be creative, right? Like, the, you can be creative within your realm of whatever identity you want, right? Bring that and, and just be more impactful than everybody else, right? Be more risky in, in within what you want to do than everybody else. I also like okay. to add to this. So I, I feel like... Uh, so many okay. go. Um, I feel like... Uh, we're talking a lot about the, the top half of this rubric right now because it is unique and different at this conference. But I also want to shed some light on the bottom half of this rubric, the 40 points dancing. There were many teams that were upset that we didn't give credit for certain things. But when you look at the numbers and how we felt that night, only one team broke 30 out of 40 in dancing. That's, that's telling me, like, literally only one team broke 75% in execution and dancing. So... Out of all eighteen, that means seven teams are basically a, you know, a D or an F in in dancing at that rubric. If you're going to a comp that is weighing execution extremely high, these performances still would not have done well there, because their execution was so low. And I I, I feel like, as yeah, sure we can shed light on the risk and and the difference here, but I feel like all of these teams here need to go back to the studio and drill uh they're just not at a level that is dominant in any way that can make maybe even make us question you know them not doing well on this rubric that didn't happen so i i, I hope all these teams and i hope you know as we get out of the pandemic and get more time to practice together again we can push the limits of the execution so we have higher just, scores there I, um i don't even like no, really ask, ask, ask this question but just like say one it of yeah saying, just say it uh, I, fuck it. Like I, I'm just gonna tell you this, but I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it's just like all the que like it's not even like one question. It's like 80 questions about like, uh, all these judges are extremely biased and they have their preconceived notions. Okay, I want to start. Um, the the placings were deter predetermined. Based I kind of want to start with this one because and I think you all I saw have it on Instagram like time and, as well. But I know some of you really want to take you know so biases and competent judges. I've been in the circuit since I was seven. I think a lot of these people have been in the circuit for 15 plus years. So incompetency, we've been to good judges meetings, we've been to bad, we've gotten shitty feedback. But to say that we have predisposed biases, I come from a Canadian team. I have absolutely no friends on any of the teams that competed today. Um, so to categorize all the judges and say, you all are biased, you came in with giving some teams more attention than others, we would not be sitting at a comp making pages of notes telling teams we'll give you our notes if we're paying more attention to one than the, more than the other we'd have absolutely nothing to say in a judge's meeting if that was the case um deliberation would not have gone on for 30 plus minutes if that was the case and the purpose of having a five panel judging you know having a five panel judge is to make sure that those biases don't come in there's two females on this on this panel there's three guys we all come from different states even different countries so you can't say there's a bias because frankly there's not um th we're way too well-rounded there's too much history we come from different places different coaches and i think it's important to understand that before you say incompetent biased 
picking their friends. And, and frankly, a lot of these teams have had some of us judge them before. And when they won, it wasn't an issue. And now when they're not winning, it's an issue. Um, NDC has had pretty much the same judges panel for the last four years and no one had a problem then, but now we are biased and incompetent. So I don't, I don't think it says a lot about us. I don't think it's right to blame the committee and say, oh, they don't know what they're doing. I think it's more so just, we've all done it, right? We've all blamed the judges, but it's important to understand exactly what it would have taken to win this comp. I've done it myself. I've lost at a comp and blamed the judges, but you kind of have to flip the rules a little bit and take a look at what we're looking at. Kind of like Kunto said, you're putting on glasses and you're looking at a set through a lens. We're not looking at it as like, I prefer folks, so the folk team's going to win. Or I like gimmicks, so they're going to win. Yeah, and maybe look inward instead of putting blame on others. You know, maybe you did something wrong or you could have done something better. Um, you can't control what other people do, but you can control what you do with your team on that day. Actually, I want to give uh, first is captain's props for that exactly. They took the loss really, really well. And they said, we think we're the best team in the circuit. But they took the loss and they took the feedback and were, and had nothing to say besides, we understand how you feel that way. And they told their team, I was talking to them at the after party, they said they told their team that you guys didn't lose this comp, us as captains lost it for you. And that's super mature of them and that's super cool of them to acknowledge that and realize that the work they're doing is great, but they can take this feedback and get to the next level. And that's that's awesome for a team that, you know, could have um last question how would you tell future judges to handle black backlash i actually do want to like this actually hits me pretty pretty hard at home this has been like the fourth time something like this happened to me to be honest with you like in this bangladesh community and um it's it, it handling this type of backlash it's gonna happen you are putting yourself in a position and it's the tough part of the job. The way I handle it is at the end of the day, I haven't, I have the experience to validate that I should be a judge. I'm working with a great group of people and a great committee who worked their asses off my, my language to put on a great show and taking my experience of having confidence as a performer. You have to put your chin up and chest out and understand that you did everything that you can. And if people aren't going to be okay with that, they're not going to be okay with that. But as long as you know you did the right things, it, it, and it's hard. And it's very, very hard, especially for people. This is not our full-time job. We all have families. We all have jobs. We all have even other Bhangra activities that we're all actively involved in that are not judging. It's hard. And the way I've handled it was to know what truly means the most to me weigh those things important, have that background and, you know, also seek help from like this stuff is hard on your, on your mental health. Mm -hmm. It's no joke. It is very tough. It is. It, it's very tough. I, I, I'm lucky to have had learned those lessons over the past, whatever, four or five years that I started getting myself a little bit more out there in the Bangladesh community. And I, I, I say lucky to have be get yelled at or have shit ton of comments at me and over discord or somebody commenting over Facebook or some, something like that. But it's hard. I, I couldn't do that without, you know, a support system of, of, you know, and it's, it's great to have a support system that you're also judging with. So, um, it, it's, it's one way that I've handled it. Um, if you want to talk about backlash and, you know, it's tough, it's, there's no, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. And it, it, it is, it is not, 
So go um, Nikki. Yeah, Take so it. this was my first in-person competition. And coming to Cleveland, I was having major imposter syndrome. Like, why am I doing this? Do I deserve to be there? Like, I'm with this group of people who are held to such a high standard. Like, am I able to match at that level and give these teams feedback? And once I got talking to them and once the competition was over, like, I felt like I was in the right place and that I was with the right group of people. And I definitely would have been able to do it without you guys so seriously thank you um I was a bit upset that you know we're kind of hearing these things from other people but like Saab said um it comes with a job and you just got to keep going because I know I'm doing it with the best of intentions yeah and that last part resonates for me personally uh my whole Bongarda journey like I never had a teacher uh we figured it out all on our own uh, some, you know, some folks had coaches, some didn't. Uh, and so my only coaching outside of just us just saying whatever we were saying to ourselves in the early going was judges. And, you know, I wish that um, judges would do what we're doing now because I think our progression on FCB would have been faster than it was. Um, it wasn't until I reached out and said, hey, judge, like, I don't understand what you said in this judges meeting. Can you please break it down for me? And you know, thankfully they spent, once one judge spent 30 minutes with me, another ju judge spent two and a half hours with me. And then that changed everything. And I finally figured, like, at least for me, I could finally understand what, like, what they were trying to tell us. Um, and, you know, then I had my qualms about why couldn't you, like, you could have said things differently for me to figure this out. Um, but, you know, they did that for me. And, you know, that, that helped me so much. And I love this dance a lot. So that's why I still do it because you, you're going to get, this, you know, you're going to get that feedback. Uh, even, even you're going to, you're going to have judging situations where you have a certain team winning and they don't win. You have a certain team that should have, that you think should have placed that they don't place. Yeah. That's judging. That's why they have five, five plus people on a panel. Uh, that's going to happen. And, and you're going to walk away feeling really upset, right? I, I remember the, the multiple times I've walked away from deliberations being like, this is wrong, but I'd lost you know, I'm two of, th I'm two, I'm two, three, I'm in the, the lesser of the two, three or the three, four, right? Like that, that's just the side that I ended up on. Um, you know, but, and you're going to get, you're also going to get backlash, even though you like, you know, that like, I don't know if that makes sense, but you're still gonna get backlash because so-and-so didn't win or something. Yeah. Um, but that's just, just how that's judging and that's how it goes. And I do wish that, um, more, more people understood that side of it. Uh, but you know, until you sit and sit in this seat, it's hard to see it from the same angle through the same lens when you're having the conversations you're having before the competition, uh, it, it puts the judges in a different frame of mind than, than the average viewer. I remember the first time I judged a competition or sorry, I judged a couple competitions and then I sat and watched as a, as a viewer, it was just completely different. It was completely different after you judge a few times. And then you sit and watch as an audience member or as a team member, your whole view of how you watch Bongarda changes. And, you know, I highly recommend, uh, you know, trying your hardest to visually, like truly watch through the lens of a judge, watch through the lens of a rubric. Things will make more sense, especially when you go and you listen to their feedback. Uh, everything will just make sense. So yeah. that's, that's my advice on that. That's my last thought. I got one uh, last thought. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, as social media changes and we have different platforms to, you know, get things off our chest or say what we feel, I wish that, and I hope that teams uh, who get feedback from judges and 
whether they want more information or didn't feel okay with how the conversation ended, would just directly reach out. You know, we're, we're, we're here for you guys. We're doing this for the teams. Um, so I, I think it's important for me to say that before you go and say whatever the hell you want to say about me online, you can do it if you want to, but I'm here to talk. I'm not going to be angry with you if you, you know, text me upset about something and I'm here to have that conversation with you to help you. And maybe, you know, I, I can learn from it as well. So, um, I'm, I encourage whoever is feeling, however they're feeling, whoever's posting stuff, message us. We're, we're human beings. We're people. We've been in your shoes. We know exactly what you're feeling. Just talk to us. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bungara Podcast. Also, just a heads up about the upcoming schedule for the next month or so. So next Thursday, March 31st, we're going to have the judges from Nutch Nashville. April 7th, we're going to have the judges from Bungara the Alamo. Hopefully, we'll be able to get the blowout judges by April 14th and then the down South Bangladesh judges for April 21st. So if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, wherever you're listening to this, do that. So you can listen to those conversations as soon as we drop them. <laughs> <laughs>